Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Chris, as you know, and I have a wonderful guest with us here today, Major Henry Hank Hastings. Um, so Henry Hastings, if you guys have known John and Elizabeth, you guys have probably heard about him to some degree over, over the years, but he is a great long-term friend of John and Elizabeth. Um, Henry, for over 14 years, was a noteworthy leader in the special operations community as a U.S. Army Ranger, Special Forces Team Commander, Jump Master, and Combat Dive Supervisor. That's, a, that's pretty amazing. Um, he then transitioned to the Mountain of Religion as Senior Pastor of a Cessationalist Bible Church until the Lord spoke to him in a trance that all the gifts are for today. This is actually an amazing story. We're going to have to really touch on this of just how that, how that transition happened. And you may know him more recently from ministering on the beaches in California during the COVID lockdown, lockdowns and prophetically ministering with Let Us Worship 2021. Henry and his wife, Amanda, are the founders of OC Oasis, a community with a passion to see the restoration of the power and presence of Jesus in the church. So Henry, thank you so much for being here today, man. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, what an honor. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, so we have to get the origin story of how you know John and Elizabeth out of the way. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those um, one of those stories that sounds like you know being delivered over to a predetermined plan. I mean, just <laughs> steps being guided that I had no control over. Mm -hmm. But um, it goes back to 2011, and I'll try to make that whole God story um, short. But they. Um, basically were my on-ramp to the supernatural and were the two that God used to actually put me back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, awesome, I had literally fallen off the wall into just a deep, dark, shadowed valley and wound up uh, through the course of events that were definitely um, directed by the Lord to their church in Atlanta in 2011. And that's where my healing process began and my entrance into uh, the real supernatural life yeah. that we've all been called to in the kingdom. Dude, what, a, what an amazing couple to lead you on that journey. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> Talk it, about God's best in terms of like awakening you. That's awesome. So it was, it was amazing. They, you know, introduced uh my wife and i and also um you know it's interesting when i went to the church it was a charismatic church and i had come from a very cessationist background bible church um you know no uh contemporary christian music hymns and a piano kind of thing and very very type a controlled <laughs> oh yeah and when i walked in the church it was amazing you know, I heard in my mind uh, that verse, uh, you know, God is not the author of confusion because it was in the midst of a full blown, uh, you know, charismatic worship service with a contemporary Christian band. And, uh, you know, when I heard that, the Lord said, sit down and zip it. And his voice was as clear as a bell. And I started judging the flag worship. And he said, do not judge. Yeah. And so, um, you yes, know, I sat dude. there for three yeah. weeks as I just began to absorb what was going on. And I heard the Lord very clearly speak to me. And he said, I want you to submit to Johnny as your pastor. Wow. Dude, that's amazing. That is amazing. I, uh, I, I love that. I, I went to, uh, I went to a Southern Baptist college and all of my roommates were all like, like these were like generationally bred Southern Baptist like kids of major pastors all through the Rust Belt, you know, that were going to be taking over their, their, uh, their father's, pa their father's leadership at these churches, you know, these Southern Baptist churches. And I was going to this, to this Southern Baptist school, but then spending my summers in Africa. And I had just had kind of a radical transformation of the Lord. So I was seeing during the summertime, like people receiving their sight back, being raised from the dead, you know, crazy interactions with the demonic, just this really radical stuff. And then I was going back into this environment where they're like, yeah, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. I'm like, bro, you should go to Africa. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's something different happening in Africa than this conversation we're having right now. Yeah. Um, dude, I love that. So where, where are you from, Henry? Uh, I'm originally from Newport Beach, California, born okay. and raised. Yeah. Awesome, dude. So how, you know, tell us about your time in the military. Was that something that like you knew you wanted to do? Was that kind of like a, you know, a lot of my buddies have done it. It was like, that was, 
they were getting ready to go to prison or do that. It was like yeah. <laughs> they had kind of one <laughs> one choice before them. So how, how what was your story into that life? Yeah, it was uh, 1974, actually. I was in grade okay. school here in Newport, and I used to go into the library, and I was enamored with uh, Vietnam and World War II and would look at all the Vietnam World War II books that had pictures in them. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about it that I, I felt like I was I was called, yes. um, which is really interesting. And I mm-hmm. came across an article that was in National Geographic, published in 1972, and it was titled Special Forces in Southeast Asia. And it was about a Captain Gillespie who was over in Vietnam organizing, training, and advising uh, basically a 500-man Montagnard which is an indigenous Indian battalion uh, in the mountains of, you know, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. And when I saw the pictures of him in a loincloth, smoking a peace pipe with the Indian chief and leading them on patrols and his fatigues and all these different things, something inside of me just clicked. And I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yes, and dude. I never wavered in that I never grew out of it. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, you know, I ended up going to a two-year military junior college called Mary Military Institute. I received an early commission at 19 years old as wow. a second lieutenant. Uh, during my between my first and second year, I'd attended airborne school. And then I had a few years to get my bachelor's degree before I went on active duty. Uh, At the conclusion of that, I went to infantry officer basic course the day after U.S. Army Ranger School and uh, through the course of events ended up interviewing uh, to get in uh, special forces, Mm -hmm. wound up at special forces assessment selection, which is a three-week pretty grueling uh, Mm -hmm. assessment. Mm-hmm. And uh, was selected to attend the six-month Special Forces qualification course. And I graduated from that in May of 1991. And then after that, uh, you know, went to Jumpmaster School mm-hmm. and uh, the Army Combat Dive School down. It's actually on Fleming Key, which is a tiny key off of Key West. Mm-hmm. And then um, a year later, went to the Combat Dive Supervisor course. And uh, so I was a special forces uh, combat dive team leader, later became group uh, uh, battalion dive officer and group dive officer, and was also a guest instructor down at the uh, combat dive school in Key West. So they would pull me in when they had classes and needed additional um, dive supervisors to help with the the, uh, training. That's awesome. So I, dude, I forget when was when was Desert Storm. What years was Desert Storm? Oh, that was 1991. Okay, right. So did, did you go over there at all? No, we didn't deploy. You know, I was at Bragg, and I graduated in May of '91, and that was basically over by May, and guys were already coming back. Yeah. Well, dude, I am like, I feel like in another life, dude. I I just so want. I w- I wish so badly. It's funny because nine nine eleven happened when I was fourteen. I remember them rolling the TVs into the rooms at, you know, the private high school I went to. We were all watching it, you know, and just, I remember how badly, like, that just stirred something. And probably many people, you know, I was 14 at the time. And then by the time I was old enough to enlist, you know, my, my, all of my family had been in the military. I, I was watching these videos, it's crazy, by Alex Jones talking about <laughs> 9-11 being, you know, there may be being more to the story to this, you know. Yeah. And it kind of shifted a little bit my, my thinking at the time. And, but I still look back and I wish that, you know, that what you're talking about, dude, I feel like there's something in, in a lot of men that I talk to that just so resonate with this idea of the brotherhood of something like that. Yeah. And of the, you know, what does it look like to push ourselves to the most difficult extreme that we can, you know? And there is a, uh, I'm trying to think the right word of it that the military offers. There's almost a, uh, a, it's not a coming of age, but that thing when you give men this like, you know, this, this thing that you can basically go through to kind of qualify yourself in some ways that I feel like 
if you haven't been through that, I, I look on the outside and just wish that there was something that was not so connected to the military at this point that offered that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I love the idea of that, but I, uh, so were you, were you walking with the Lord during this time? Uh, you know what? Ha- no, I did not know the Lord. I didn't yeah. grow up in a Christian family. Um, my parents were God conscious. In other words, like God existed, mm-hmm. um, visiting Yosemite as a kid. It's hard to look at El Capitan and yeah. Half Dome and the stars in the sky and say, there's no God. Mm-hmm. So I always believed, um, that there was a God and, uh, it wasn't until, I graduated from the special forces course and it was, I remember it was graduation night and we had a huge party at our apartment complex in the community center. And we had a band. It was um, three, 400 people showed up. I mean, half of our SF class and all their friends and families. And I remember in the middle of that party feeling completely unfulfilled. Yeah. And you know, I just went from accomplishing my childhood dream, right? Go all the way back to 1974, and now oh, it's 1991, and that dream's been fulfilled, and I'm empty. And so I left the party, went outside, looked up in the sky, and said, God, if you're really, really real and you're really out there, I said, I need to know you because I just accomplished my dream and I'm empty. Yes. And if you've got a plan for my life, if there's a purpose, I need to know it. Mm-hmm. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So that started a six month process um, from May until uh, December, which is when I was saved. I was actually born again uh, on December 14th, mm-hmm. 1991. So That's awesome. And what was that process like? It, it was interesting. I mean, God was drawing me. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, says no one can come to him unless the father draws him. And that drawing process that it's an amazing Greek verb because it's the same one used for pulling in nets off a boat. So it's like the the kingdom is like a net, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. thrown out and then the fish get caught up in it. And I was one of the fish in that net. I hadn't actually gotten onto the boat yet, but I was being pulled in. And there was a series of events that happened in that six months. Um, one of the things that happened when I graduated ranger school and I got, um, I had a friend of mine who gave me a Bible and the Bible was a, a study Bible. And on the cover, he had uh, engraved Ranger Hastings on it. And the dedication passage was Psalm 144, 1 and 2, which is, Blessed be the Lord my God who trains my fingers to fight and my hands for war. And I remember being in Army Ranger School, and they they have a portion of it during the first three weeks where you go to the hand-to-hand combat uh, pit, and, you know, they say on guard, and you, you know, get in this position, you're the attack, and you're like, kill! And... <laughs> I mean, it needs to be serious. I mean, it's, you know, kind of like put on your war face and mean yes. it. And the instructor will walk around and and then they'll say, you know, crosshawk takedown. They'll give you a move, mm-hmm. you know, action. And then they'll watch you perform it, you know, on on your your buddy. And if you're not doing it hard enough or serious enough, they'll, you know, they'll gig you for it. Mm-hmm. And every time I said kill, I kept having an issue with that thou shalt not kill as part of the 10 commandments. And I wasn't even, you know, a Christian. And I just remembered that. And this guy who gave me the Bible sat me down one day and I had a lot of questions for him. And he just said, you know, in the Hebrew, Henry, that is not kill it's murder. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Whoa. And he said, you can, if you take a life in defense of yourself, the defense of your family or the defense of your country, it is not a sin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, like there were things that what he communicated made perfect sense to me. Yeah. So um, I wound up uh, in my room back in Newport Beach, California, and I had all these scriptures before me in the Bible. I was writing them out on a piece of paper, Um, you know, Hebrews 9, 22, there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. John the Baptist, you know, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, Jesus saying, you know, whosoever believes in me will never perish, but have eternal life. And I was like, believe, like, what does that mean? And I literally found a Christian bookstore. It was actually the Calvary Chapel bookstore here in Costa Mesa. 
and I went and got um, a Greek dictionary and I, I had to ask him, I said, you know, what, what this was written in Greek and the New Testament. And I said, I, I need to find out what this word really means. Mm. And they gave me a, uh, I purchased Vine's expository uh, dictionary of the Greek New Testament. I took it home. I looked up the Greek verb pistuo and I wrote the entire article out um, on my pad of paper. And I just remember the three words. It was faith, trust, dependence. And that's the moment it all hit that, wow. I mean, I was convicted that I was a sinner to the core, that I needed to to place all of my trust, faith, and dependence on Jesus who bore my sins in his body on the cross, apart from which, because no one, um, no one will see the Father except through him and and, and acceptance of his sacrifice by faith. So it was like I gave my whole life to him. So it sounds like all the seeds were being planted essentially for you, what God was going to, what God was getting ready to do in your life. Um, have you, so you came to faith through that kind of these planting of seeds. And I love that story. That's so real. I feel like we could have a very interesting conversation just about um, some of the, what seems like inconsistencies in the Bible about, if you want to say violence or when, you know, the appropriate, like when are the appropriate times to do certain things and what is this, I feel like the church is very confused about some of these issues right now. Um, but you, so you, you have this transition experience and then you have the meeting of John and Elizabeth, which sounds like was pretty amazing in terms of just expanding your perspective of God and the Holy spirit. Um, yeah. and I love that because I feel like God can take very radical people. And then as soon as he gets a hold of them and they become very radical for the kingdom, those are always just like amazing, amazing yeah. stories. Um, you know, so, was your, you know, I guess I want to, I want to get into a little bit here. What is your perspective on, on men and culture right now? And just where you feel like the, the meta story is at for kind of what we're watching unfold in, in the nation right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, masculinity has been under attack. And if you look at just overall the family mountain and the whole system of of the father and you look at the you know how the family structure mirrors the godhead and is designed by god to teach us about him um you know our our earthly dads are designed to you know provide protection and provision for us and they give us our identity and you know our moms are the nurturers the teachers the encouragers there you have the holy spirit and our siblings are like jesus our companions Mm -hmm. and so um the enemy you know comes in and attacks that whole family structure and i think that there's you know four basic pillars that help preserve freedom and national stability in in any nation in any culture and one is you know um, volition or the freedom to make decisions. And with that comes the opportunity to reap what you sow. So if you make, you know, wise decisions uh, or good investments, you're going to reap a profit and you should be able to um, enjoy the sweat of your brow or the fruits of your labor or the, um, you know, the fruit of what you've sown. I mean, mm-hmm. the crop that you put into the ground, whatever that is. Um, and so that's the first one that's under attack. And, and obviously, we see how even our current system of taxation uh, completely is contrary to um, you will reap what you sow. Yep. Um, obviously, there's a certain percentage that we should be able to, you know, I'm a big believer in a flat tax, 10%. Yes, and um, so... That's one system that's been under attack. And then you have um, the second one is marriage. And Mm -hmm. you have one woman and one man. And the Bible clearly defines what those, what identifies a male and a female. And then they are in union. Uh, They become one flesh. And um, there is a system there of deference to one another. Mm -hmm. And and so the institution of marriage has been under attack. And then you have also um, 
The third institution uh, is family, where you have the parents who are the authority over their children. And, you know, as the mom reflects, um, you know, uh, the nurture, the teacher, the encourager, the kids have a really mm -hmm. healthy view of the Holy Spirit. As the father um, is able to provide and protect and um, gives them their identity, the, the children have a really healthy view of Father God. And as they, you know, walk with their siblings, they, they you know, learn to relate to Jesus as that. So to me, the institution of family is not only what's under attack by being redefined, um, and then you just see the infiltration into our federal government um, who is now meddling in things that we should have the freedom to make decisions in and reap what we sow in those things regarding our family. Um, and then even our tax dollars being uh, used by those who supposedly represent us to do things that are completely contrary to our conscience. I mean, it's a violation mm -hmm. yes. of biblical norms and standards. And so we actually have a government um, in the most part that is not representative as it was designed to be. Yes. Um, and if we find out that the elections uh, aren't actually um, integrous, then mm -hmm. we definitely have a government that's not representative. <laughs> yeah, I think that in both ways, we have one that's not representative in the practical yeah. and the, spir and the yeah. spiritual. It's sad. So and then the, and then the fourth one really, you know, has really been under attack, which is is nationalism in, in the sense of, you know, national pride. And we have to have a military to protect us from outside encroachment and attack. It's it's a preservation of freedom. Um, and then we also have to have an internal uh, system to protect our freedoms through law enforcement and, um, you know, fire departments, et cetera. So, you know, when you look at those four pillars that, mm -hmm. that preserve the stability of a nation, um, you can look at them. They're all under attack today, especially the father and um, to emasculate the male. Yes. And I think about this a lot because I, and I totally agree with everything you're saying. I, you know. I think if I'm going to strategically try to take a city, the first thing I'm going to try to do is diminish the strength of that city before I come in to take it, you know? And so I look at the war on men as trying to reduce the strength of what we are as a nation. Yeah. Now, now women are very strong too, in their own ways, you know, it's just a very different kind of strength. You know, the strength of men is required because evil exists in the world. And so you know, that, you know, that strength of men is primarily the only thing that stands up against evil. And when I hear people try to dilute that and men, I really think these people have not seriously thought about evil. I really think that because if you have yeah. really sat with evil, then you understand the necessity to have something that is physically strong to compete against that reality. Um, and so for me, obviously, it's a spiritual thing, you know, but I think that this this war is is in many ways, I mean, it's, there's so many layers to it, but I, I totally agree with, with, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, you know, and I also hear just even in the church, you know, there's a lot of like trying to talk about how Jesus uh, related to, you know, if you want to call it pacifism or violence or are these yeah. different concepts, you know, and something that I always remind people of when we have this conversation is that, you know, Jesus is both lion and the lamb. Right. And what we've witnessed so far is the lamb. Like we, you know, we have witnessed the lamb of God. He came to die as a sacrifice. We, you know, if we, if we need to, if we want to look at Jesus as the representationist, we have not actually seen the aspect of the lion nature of Christ, if you will, where he comes back and he judges these, these things, you know? And so there's, there's an element of this that I think we get very confused about because we try to just evaluate the lamb of God and not the lion of God yeah. in this, in this sense. So, you know, what do you, do you feel like to some degree, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the event that you've got coming up here. Does your, has your desire to connect with men and do this? Do you think that came out of the military? Is it, is it maybe just the day that we're in right now, a combination of both? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the desire to help men really walk in the fullness of who they are came as a result of me just walking through a, just a valley of complete brokenness mm -hmm. and realizing um, that the freedom that Jesus purchased uh, for us on the cross is a lot more than just freedom from 
um, judgment of sin. Like, you know, the gospel yeah. today that's going out is, hey, Jesus died for you on the cross and he paid for your sins. And if you receive him, um, you, you get forgiveness of your sins and you receive eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I would propose that 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 is just a slice of the gospel. That's not really even the gospel of the kingdom. Yes. And so when you start looking at scripture, especially in Acts chapter one, after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he spent over 40 days with the disciples teaching them about the kingdom of God. And they were kind of confused because they were asking him, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel and all our glory? Mm-hmm. And I yep. said, no, our father has, you know, purposed it in for him to only know the time, yes. you know, but he taught them about the kingdom. And then you roll into Acts 2.38, repent and um, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you will receive uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you see Philip going into Samaria and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and the kingdom begins to manifest. Um, people are being delivered from uh, demonic oppression and possession. Um, people are being baptized and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same day. Uh, in the case of Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and, and following, um, they were they believed in Jesus. They were water baptized, but they had not received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so in that particular case, you have basically a Baptist um, who is a a good person, has believed in Jesus and been water baptized, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the power to actually walk in a manner worthy of their calling until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I love like some of the old classic, um, you know, Bible preachers and teachers like R.A. Torrey. Uh, and D.L. Moody, they were adamant that everyone should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not just for Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 leaders in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not just for apostles and prophets and pastors, teachers, and evangelists. It's, you know, it's for everyone, the, yeah. the, the mom, the, the kid in the house. It doesn't matter who you are or what mountain you're called to. You need to receive the power to fulfill what God has called you to do because we can't do that in and of ourselves. So, um, you know, for me, that was delayed. I mean, I was born again and had a definite born again experience. I was not the same person. And yet I got under cessationist teaching. Um, This particular pastor um, that I I gleaned a lot from and was later ordained by uh, actually taught that water baptism was just a symbol designed to teach the early church uh, their position in Christ. And there was absolutely no experiential aspect about it. And he had bought into Jonathan Edwards' argument, which was one of the church reformers who tried to define the mysteries of communion, the mystery of baptism. And that's where we got this whole symbolic view of everything. But regardless of where you fall on that whole debate, there is a mystical transaction that takes place in the spirit realm during water baptism and during communion and during, you know, baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it had been 20 years. I lived my life as a Christian for 20 years without being water baptized. And if you read Romans 6 and Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, there is something that happens in water baptism. It is not just an outward sign that you've been saved. And then when you receive the power uh, of the Holy Spirit through being baptized by Jesus with his spirit, because he is the one, John said, you know, behold, someone comes after me. He will baptize you with spirit and fire. And the point is with that is Jesus is the one who does the baptizing, not us with the Holy Spirit baptism. And so when, you know, receiving that, and coming to a realization and catching a revelation by, you know, the illuminating work of the spirit, I began to walk in freedom that I hadn't walked in before. And so, you know, when you're looking and tying all this in, you know, I had stumbled in sexual sin from the time I was born again, Mm -hmm. and I could never get totally free from it. And when I caught a revelation of what baptism, water baptism really was, uh, that I was going to die in those waters 
totally die. And if you read the New Living Translation of Colossians 2, 11 through 13, it's actually a cutting away of your sin nature, which brings up a whole new concept that are we really sinners after we have been spiritually regenerated, baptized in water and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So can we really say, hey, I'm you know, a sinner saved by grace? Because if that's what you declare over yourself, and that's what you believe, it will be done according to your mm-hmm. faith. You're never going to walk in the freedom that totally. Jesus can set you free from. And that's the point, really, when he, you know, when Jesus said, um, when the son sets you free, you're free indeed. And you read the context, it's freedom from sin. And so, you know, I just have a passion because I've tasted, you know, both sides of the spectrum, being a cessationist, totally, um, just not even in tune with what's going on in the spirit realm and then actually beginning to walk in the power and the freedom from sin has been amazing and liberating in my life and i want guys to walk in that freedom and if they're you know struggling in sin it's habitual they can't get free from it i want to help facilitate that freedom because that's what jesus purchased for him he didn't just die to forgive you of your sins and have you struggle with sin your whole life. And then, well, when I die, then I won't have it. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I love that. I love everything you're saying. And I, 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 am, I so badly want to see the power of God hit America. Yeah. In a very practical way, you know, like in a, because power silences everything. Like it, it takes it from a, you know, it takes it from a theological standpoint. It takes this from, it takes us from, it, it just, all of the murmuring and the questions when the power of God hits, you cannot deny it. Um, and I think the same thing for when it hits a person's heart um, in the same way, dude, that power radically shifts the energy. Um, and it just, it opens up the opportunity for so many other things. So, you know, talk a little bit about the event that you've got coming up um, and just give us a little bit of the, the, uh, kind of the thinking behind it, the framework, when is it? Give us, yeah. just talk to us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, so I wanted to, to um, kind of bring in there too, because there's there's a tension between, um, you know, being a mighty man of God. Mm. Uh, David had mighty men. Uh, yeah. David was a mighty man. He did things that um, could not be done apart from the Holy Spirit. And so when we connect, you know, Holy Spirit, to who we really are as sons and men, uh, that's when we start uh, operating and and doing the greater things that Jesus talked about. And so to me, I I really, really enjoyed the camaraderie that I had uh, in the military, especially on my special forces team. I still am in contact with these guys and, um, you know, nothing's going to prevent that. And, and I may not talk to one of them for six months or a year, but we pick up right where we left off. I mean, it's that kind of camaraderie. And so I really felt the Lord, um, you know, he, he communicated to me in a, in a way that was, you know, I was like, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Like, it just seems like I'm always supporting a ministry I'm always, you know, when I travel with Let Us Worship for uh, 2021, I think I hit over 13 states. Uh, My wife came to many of those states with me, Uh, Florida, Montana, Texas, uh, different cities in California, Idaho, uh, to name a few. And, you know, we saw the power of God manifest in a lot of these events. But then all of a sudden things tail off and it's like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it was in that time of just praying about my purpose. And I heard the words shoot, move and communicate. And I knew it was the Lord. I'm like, Lord, like, what is that? Like shoot, move and communicate. Those are the three skills that you need to um, effectively operate on a field of battle. Hmm. And as I began to um, process that with the Lord, the shoot was the aspect of tactical shooting, learning how to acquire this, having the skills to actually engage multiple targets. Uh, And then the second part was move, which is actually being able to shoot on the move and not only knowing individual movement techniques, but your team movement techniques, how to move as a team together uh, cohesively in harmony. 
And then the communicate part was actually with him. That was the vertical part that he wanted men to connect with him and experience the intimacy that he's always longed to have with men. Wow. And so I was like, wow. So I'm like, Lord, he goes, I want you to teach him how to hear my voice. I want you to teach him how to walk with me. I want you to teach him about the freedom that my son purchased for them. Um, I want these guys walking in the fullness of what I really purchased for him and sacrificed on the cross. And I was like, okay, Lord. And it, it was kind of a, you know, really quick thing that came about and it's picked up a lot of momentum. Uh, so going back to, you know, how that came, that part came about, I had a friend who's a pastor here locally and, uh, I was explaining this to him. He said, Henry, I want you to come communicate this at our church. And so I thought, well, Lord, I don't even know what to say. And he goes, I'll give you two to three minutes during announcements. And I said, great. So I showed up and during worship, you know, I, I really didn't know what I was going to say. Uh, it was during the, the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, you get to that point where merciful and mighty. And the Lord, right when it hit mighty, he said, I'm calling forth mighty men, Henry, and I want to restore masculinity to my bride. Yes. And I was just like, okay. So I got up there and I just started with that and then communicated about the retreat. So this first retreat we're doing is March 23rd through the 25th. It's in Hagerman, Idaho. And it's at a location called Shaw Shooting. And Shaw Shooting um, is John Shaw's invention. Uh, John is a national champion. And he actually trained my special forces team before Desert Storm back in 1991. And so, um, and he had a range complex. It's called Mid-South in Mississippi. And you know, you're looking at 20 something years later, he purchased property in Idaho and started developing a range complex there. And so he's built this beautiful big lodge and uh, you've got Navy SEALs, uh, Green Berets, you've got pararescues, uh, the, you know, the Air Force Special Operations Community. Um, you've got some Marines, uh, you know, Force Reconnaissance, Special mm -hmm. Operations uh, and these guys will, will vie to get in there for training gates. So they have military training and it's all with small arms and um, how to shoot and move. And then they have a couple civilian courses that are held that are like one day here and there. They also do some concealed uh, carry weapons permitting for the state of Idaho. And since I had a relationship with them, I brought a couple guys from a church because I was on staff at a church in Pasadena. and was the general manager of the whole facility, but I also um, developed and organized and trained the security team. And part of that was training them how to identify and um, uh, basically eliminate, eliminate an active shooter threat. And so with that, um, I was able to get two guys approved with myself to go up to Idaho and do some concealed carry holster draw training and, and active shooter response training mm -hmm. uh, so that there could be guys who had concealed permits uh, designated in the congregation should something, you know, go down. And like Boy Scout's motto, be prepared. Mm -hmm. So uh, in this particular case, um, went up there with that. And then I went back for a couple um, times as just refreshers. And then finally, I sat down and said, hey, I, I want to run a Christian men's retreat up here for three days. I want to develop a training schedule for it. And um, I want to use the lodge that has these great outdoor fireplaces and huge, you know, area for, for dinner and, and all that. So I uh, met with them. We settled on the dates and I reached out to guys personally that I knew and um, guys started signing up. So, wow. uh, it's, it's going to be three days of, uh, you know, tactical shooting and, and most times, you know, you go to a range because you buy a firearm or you get a concealed carry, um, and you go to the range and you shoot your gun in a stall at a stationary paper silhouette target. And that is not going to cut it. If you have to actually draw from a holster because you can't draw from a holster at mm -hmm. a range. It's all in front of you on the table, like a horse with blinders on. Totally. Yeah. 
And, and, and that's not, that's not going to cut the mustard. If you have to draw from a holster under pressure and engage multiple targets, it just won't happen. And so this is really designed to help guys acquire the skills to not just defend themselves, but their families and our way of life that's under attack should it come to that. But more importantly, when you begin to to master some of these skills, you get a confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's the confidence portion of that. And then as we progress and the skills increase over the three days, and then every evening we have a, actually a really nice catered meal. We're all sitting at a huge table. And uh, that's where we're going to start with testimonies and um, lighten guys up with the revelation of walking in their freedom from sin and being able to actually walk in purity as men. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that that's kind of how that came about. That's so that's awesome. So I, I, I really, I, agree. I love I all love of this. this. I feel I like, like, you know, I, I would just encourage anyone listening to this. If you're, you know, if you've ever even had the inkling of a desire to do something like this, to just take advantage of the situation. I, you know, I, I'm from Colorado. I've been an avid hunter most of my life. Um, archery, I, you know, hunting kind of stuff. But I recently, I guess in the last two years, started training with a Delta guy. Very similar kind of stuff. Very, you know, tactical, yeah. hands-on, buddy training stuff. It has been such an enriching experience, you know, but there's always that missing component of like, man, I wish we could just bring God into this environment. And you know, with all these men, I see, you know, I'm just kind of observing their, their brokenness and the things they're talking about and all the, and I just, I so badly have wished that there was something like this for men where they could acquire these kind of hard skills um, with a firearm, but also have the connection of the spirit. And so I think what you're doing is just amazing. I would encourage anyone from our audience to, to definitely check this out. How many spots do you have open? Uh, we've got about Six or seven left right now. Six or seven left. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and these guys need because we have, you know, I have um, a dad who um, is coming with his two sons. Awesome. And they're coming from Florida. And then um, he called the other day and has a guy that that reps a lot of stuff for his company. He said, "Hey, I want to I want to sign this guy up." And and I ended up talking to him on the phone. He's the youngest graduate to ever um, finish the Quantico school to the FBI. And, um, he's an older guy now. And so he's coming, but we have all skill levels. I have a guy who doesn't own any firearms Okay, and, um, he's coming and he says, I I don't even know. Can I show up? I don't, I said, Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) I said at the end of this training, actually you'll be more advanced than an infantry soldier who just graduated advanced infantry training um, at Fort Bennett. That's and, awesome, man. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, and is it? It's going to be mostly carbine. Is it car? Is it handgun or as well or carbine? It's and- both. So, okay. so the first day, the training, uh, the first day is about five hundred rounds of uh, handgun training. So, okay. I don't know if you shot five hundred rounds a day with a no pistol. Way. Most people haven't. They shoot, <laughs> you know. 50 rounds, maybe, you know, at a range, but this is all the techniques, all the fundamentals of pistol marksmanship, and it's called point shooting. So, you know, we're not um, learning how to shoot like a sideways stance where, where you're like this, this is point shooting. Mm -hmm. And so there's an instinctual aspect of shooting between your eyes and where your fingers are pointed and everything that you do with that weapon and how you manipulate it from the ready position to the fire, how to draw from the holster. Um, all of that's, uh, we go over all the fundamentals of that the first day. And, and it's all, uh, most of that's on paper. We may graduate to steel targets day mm-hmm. one, but day two, um, is another 500 rounds of pistol. And we get into the carving, so the AR-15 platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn high ready, low ready. Uh, there's, uh, you know, operator standards that mm-hmm. uh, all the guys will be tested on, uh, which is, you know, how to clear a malfunction, how to, you know, how to do a tactical reload, mm-hmm. um, how to, you know, transition. All the stuff. Yeah, I love yeah, it. And, yeah, transitioning <laughs> from one to the other and the other back to the other. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, we'll we'll load rounds in a magazine and you won't know how many rounds are in your rifle magazine. 
Mm-hmm. And so you'll start out with your AR-15 and you'll start rolling down on targets and moving down a lane. And all of a sudden you're out. Well, you got to mm-hmm. tr- you got to move that rifle and transition your pistol and start engaging. And then when you're out of your pistol, you got to transition back to your rifle with a reload yeah. and you yeah. continue on through this course. And so the skills that you pick up are phenomenal and the confidence that comes forth. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that this should be the number one stop for anyone who owns a firearm. Like you got to, oh yeah, you got to go to this kind of train. I'm not for requiring things to be able to own firearm just because I'm a firm believer that like the government shouldn't regulate that. But as someone who has chosen to own a firearm, you you should get legitimate training. Like that should be the first thing. Yeah, you do. And I would encourage anyone out there who owns a firearm who has any kind of interest in this to absolutely take this course. I so wish I would have gotten this training with someone who had the spiritual component to it. Um, Henry, where do you guys stay? Does the, does the, does the price include room and board? Yeah. So the price uh, for this includes uh, the three days of actual training. You've got uh, four nights of lodging at the lodge You've got four nights of catered meal dinners at the lodge. We have all lunches and, and breakfast. It's basically a you know a on the go breakfast in the morning uh, at the lodge kitchen, and then we'll pack up. It includes a pickup from the airport on the twenty second, so you need to arrive on the twenty second. The last flight into Twin Falls, Idaho, is like ten p.m. Um, if you can get in on the early one, great. Uh, I'm flying into Boise. Uh, but Twin Falls is closer. It's just, mm-hmm. just depends on what you can get. Um, so we have, you know, a 16 passenger van we'll be, you know, picking guys up in and then shuttling everybody to the ranges and, and doing that. Awesome, dude. This is amazing. Well, I, I would, I hope that, uh, that we are able to just totally, I hope that you have more than what you need with this and that you, you keep doing these. Cause I think that this is such an amazing connection point for men. I think the hard skills are awesome to be able to actually proficiently use a firearm. And I think just the the ability to walk with other men is such a significant part. I think men should have one or two times a year where they just go be around other men and they have this kind of connection. I think that's going to do a lot to spark the flame and the heart of masculine camaraderie um, that I think we really need, you know, as brothers. So um, is there anything else you want to say, Henry, before we end, before we end this thing? You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, it's something that I wouldn't have have chose or thought that I would be doing. And it's like, there's a grace on it. In fact, we were looking at alternate dates and we're looking at potentially having one July 6th, 7th and 8th as well, uh, because of the response I've gotten here. So, um, I think this is just, it's ramping up. And yesterday I was just like, praying in the spirit with the Lord and he brought up to mind how he wants the church protected. Yeah. Uh, Not just, um, you know, from kind of internal attacks that happen, not within people within the the congregation particularly, but if your articles and bylaws aren't bulletproof against a um, LGBT couple coming in and asking you to marry them, and you don't have things clearly defined in your articles of incorporation mm-hmm. and your church constitution, then you are subject to a lawsuit and could wind up, you know, um, being doing something against the law. So yeah. I have a real passion for helping churches get that in order. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord was talking to me about um, doing uh, a training uh, for. Uh, active shooter response for uh, churches, security teams. So you got guys who do, you know, you volunteer for security and you're in the parking lot, you're doing this, but how often do you actually have um, active shooter training in your church? Do you have designated guys carrying in your church Mm -hmm. that could eliminate an active shooter threat? And then on top of that, um, do you have an actual uh, plan with fields of fire and areas of weakness, have you had someone come in and evaluate your physical facility for weaknesses and where you need to shore up your defenses on that so that you can identify the threat outside in the parking lot before they get into the building? And most time when the service starts, what does everybody do? 
they, they come in and yeah, they're watching the creature. That's right. And it's it's <laughs> totally dude. They're I mean they're ready to be slaughtered. Yeah. It really is. Dude. They're you know, they're absolutely in most cities right now, soft targets that are yeah. just super yeah. just the underbelly is just so yeah. easy to get a knife into. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, it's it's a known place where someone frequents. So if you have a situation where you've got a big emotional breakup or a divorce and that person's bent on getting that person, they're not coming in there to actually attack the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we have like anti-fascists yeah. running around who are actually fascists um, wanting to attack the church. Yeah. And I've seen that as well. And, you know, we just don't need to make ourselves soft targets anymore. Totally. I love it, dude. Well, guys, check this out. Check out Henry. Henry, are you on social media and stuff? Can there, is there yeah, um, I actually, uh, my wife helped me get uh, the Instagram page for this just up this morning. So you can contact me through shoot underscore move communicate okay. on Instagram. And we'll include that as well in the, okay. in the email that goes out. Yep. And then I also, if guys contact me, I have the PDF I can send out. My email is hwh3 at me.com. And then um, I am on Facebook um, and I am on Instagram at Henry underscore Hastings. Okay. But for shoot, move, and communicate, it would be shoot underscore move, communicate at Instagram. Awesome. Okay, guys, check him out on all the properties. Follow him. We're going to include all those links in the email, the PDF. Henry, how do people pay for this? Do they do you have a website or do they do they contact you directly? Yeah, they can do both. I'd prefer right now until we get um, a web page set up mm -hmm. uh, that they uh, Zell me. Okay. At my and my Zell ID is hwh3 at me.com. Okay. The deposit is a thousand and the remainder is fifteen hundred dollars. So the total cost is twenty five hundred. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you do need to pay for your plane flight. And then the rounds you shoot, you need to pay for. Okay. Um, I have a little sheet if people register that I send out on the estimated round count. Uh, it, it ranges based on the price at the time of the rounds to be around $700, $750. Okay. But that'll depend on how much each each shooter shoots. Yep. Um, but yeah. Awesome, man. dude. This is great. Well, guys, check it out. Henry, thank you so much, man, for joining me, man. This, is, this has been amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for having right. me. See you, man. Bye.